0: Well welcome back friends to the Asbury Deep Dive podcast. Can't wait to do some sermon reflection with you all. As always if you want to get text updates for whenever we post new podcasts uh, we would love for you to do so. So you can text the number 81010 and the words at Asbury Dive to get those updates and so we would love to have you do that to stay connected. So today I have Shelby Hood with me which is super exciting. Hello everyone. Shel- Hi Mel. Hey <laughs> what's up? <laughs> Shelby works with our youth students and is really really good at it. She works with the middle school, which God bless her. (laughs) Hey, they're the best. Shout out to all my middle school students. They're the best, best. Awesome. Yep. So we're going to talk about Sunday's sermon together. Really excited to do so. And so Daniel on Sunday preached out of John 11, which is the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead, which is a fantastic story from start to finish. So good. Daniel did a great job covering it. As always, you can go back and watch those sermons at asburytulsa.org. You can go into the sermon archives there and find all the sermons ever that Asbury has done so fun resource for you guys and so I encourage you to go back and watch Daniel's sermon if you did not watch it in a short summary he had four main points which some of them might not make complete sense just in summary so I do encourage you to go watch it so his four main points were, were that God allows disappointment, that God will weep with us, that God will give us truth, and that grave clothes are for the dead. I love that last Oh, one. that last point was so good. So we're good. not getting into it here, but oh, that last point and where he wraps it home. It oh my me. goodness. It's powerful, powerful stuff. It's a great reminder even for today. So I encourage you to go watch that um, and whatnot. So today what we're going to focus on, we're going to start with just on disappointment. I love that he talked about that because there's a lot of disappointment going around right for now, sure. especially. And I think life in general has a lot of disappointment in it. And so... Um, it's very relevant, and I think one of the things that I first thought of as I was listening is, first of all, yeah, go Daniel. This is great, but also, you know, disappointment isn't a cruelty from God. Yeah. You know, it's not punishment. It's not necessarily even from God. God doesn't go to disappoint us, He, but, some, you know, we have to concede that he can allow it and whatnot, and so it's not him being cruel, um, and, I, you know, we can learn a lot from disappointment and see where our true motives are and what our heart is really yearning for. You know, it's a good indicator, I think, as well.
1: Yeah, I thought that Daniel handled this really well, and I think it's something that we don't hear a lot of in churches. We want to hear yeah. the happy gospel. We want to hear, oh, my life's good, my life's great. If I follow Jesus, nothing is ever going to go wrong because God wants what's best for me. And, yes, God does want what's best for us. Absolutely. But I think we do see here that Jesus was very okay with mary and martha being disappointed or mad at him yeah angry yeah and i think they had every right to be but they ask him to come because their brother is sick and he doesn't come immediately and he knows that that's going to hurt them so i just think that daniel touching on that was it's what we need to hear and again especially with what's going on in
0: the world right now we're seeing disappointment and how do we deal with that how do we Mm -hmm. go through that yeah and it doesn't change the fact that god's character is good You know, and we live in a fallen world. And honestly, that's the answer to a lot of questions. Why does this or that happen? Oftentimes it's because we're still in a fallen world. Yeah. You know, and that's where a lot of disappointment comes from, a lot of heartache, I would say. And so um, I love Daniel's point of don't distance yourself from God because of disappointment. Right. You know, if that's, you know, you're going to be disappointed. There's just a fact there, unfortunately, but don't make that the reason you're drawing away from God. And I'm currently reading, just started reading um, The Cost of Discipleship by Bonhoeffer. And if you want to talk about, you know, disappointment and um, how do you handle that and not distance yourself from God, oh man, there's some powerful stuff in there. And that's just um, so good. So good. And then, so the other thing I want to say about John 11 that um, I love about this passage. And so I heard it when I was in college at some point just from a preacher was talking about this passage. And so we see Lazarus is sick and Mary and Martha send to Jesus and they're sending to him to try to convince him to come save Lazarus is what they're doing. So we know that they all have a relationship together. They're close knit. And whatnot, they they all know each other well. And so, if I'm sending to Jesus on behalf of Shelby, if Shelby's sick, and I'm saying, Hey, Jesus, come save Shelby, I'm gonna be like, Hey, Jesus, here's the deal. Shelby, you know, you love her. She's sassy and so funny. She does such good work with the <laughs> middle schoolers. You know, she's great in her family. She's wonderful for Jacob. You know, her fiance. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give her rap sheet. Thanks, I'm gonna Mel. say, This is why Thanks. she's so great. This is why you need to come save her. If if you don't come save her, who's gonna take care of the middle schoolers at Asbury? Who's going to help be an essential part of that team? You know, I'm going to go on and on about what she's good at and why she's here and the impact she's going to have. And I'm going to spend a lot of time saying, this is why you need to come quickly. She's dying. This is essential. You know, I'm going to spend a lot of words doing that. And it's really, really interesting, you know, because you're trying to motivate Jesus to come save her come help which we know he loves to come help but he's far away and on where they were at um, it was dangerous for Jesus to be in that territory because people were already after him there or already starting to be after him there and so and we see after the story they're even more so after him and so it's (laughs) dangerous for him and so you really got to convince him and um, but they do none of that they are simple and short worded they say Jesus the one you love is ill yeah that's all they say and it's beautiful because they know Jesus so well that they know what motivates him. They know that what motivates him is his love for people and his love for his friends and his the people and all these things. And so it's so beautiful that they just simply, simply say, hey, the one you love is ill.
1: Yeah, and I think that really just shows kind of what you hit on, the depth, the depth of not only their relationship with Jesus, but his relationship with them. Mm-hmm. They knew what would motivate him. And I think it also, in that depth of relationship, we see that's why they're going to him. They believe wholeheartedly in him. They really didn't think they needed a lot of words to get Jesus to come to them. They expect him to show up and save the day. Yeah. Or maybe even from a distance save the day
0: yeah which you know can also tell us more so why they're so disappointed yes because they just knew he would come save right you know they're like they we know you're so good why didn't you come quicker Mm -hmm. you know and so we see the greater miracle in that of you know he could have healed him from sickness quickly and easily but raising someone from the dead is kind of that next step and jesus got to show himself in that way and not because that was the point that wasn't the point there's more at play than that but looking back now we can kind of see that as well yeah um I love that part. I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, so good. It's so good. Such a great passage. There's so many depths here. And so something else Daniel talked about in his sermon that um, Shelby and I, as we were talking about it, really loved is that he talked about the difference between the ministry of tears and the ministry of truth, which um, if that doesn't make any sense to you, I encourage you to go either read John 11 or listen to the sermon or both. Both is great. Both is always good. But we see Jesus weeping with them when they're sad. And then we also see Jesus saying, hey, I am the truth. I am the resurrection. I am the life. He gives them biblical truths about his identity Mm -hmm. and about just the way the world is because of Jesus and his um, blood and the cross. And so um, what a great distinction between the ministry of tears and the ministry of truth. I think we need both. Yeah, for sure. As Christians. Absolutely need both. And I think uh, knowing when to use which is so key. I think that's a skill that is an
1: ongoing learning curve, yeah. because even like myself, sometimes I struggle with, it. I'm like, okay, do I need to sit here with this person and just be with them and cry with them and sit in their life with them? Or do I need to just be real with them and mm-hmm. say, hey, I hear you, but here's the truth. Here's, here's where God is in this. Let's move
0: forward. Yeah, I, I think it's a tough balance, honestly. Absolutely, And it's hard to know which and when, and I don't think there's any clear cut answer always. Totally agree. You know, it depends on the situation. It depends on you as an individual. It depends on the person you're talking to. Um, and it depends on what the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do. Cause I believe, yeah. you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about it and dive in deeper, but Jesus is going to direct you in that, you know, yes. he wants to tell us which and when, and maybe your gut reaction is to share truth, but maybe the Holy Spirit is really saying, Hey, just be silent right now. Wow, you know, that's hard. Wow, it's hard while for that's sure, hard. especially when you know you have that answer. You know, when someone's really struggling, and you're like, "The answer's Jesus." But you like,
1: yeah, I think I Daniel really them. did well with the how he talked about putting on his Mister Fix It hat. Like, yeah. when there's a problem, <laughs> he wants to fix it. I am for sure a doer, and I will say there are people in my life who are close. They know I like to be right. It's an <laughs> ongoing struggle. It's a good I love to be right, and there are sometimes where I'm like, I know I'm right. I know I know what to do and what to tell you and what you should do in this moment. But that's not the this is not the time this is yeah. not the place and I'm also not a crier like I hardly ever cry I don't like crying so for me a ministry of tears is not always my first go-to even though it may not be physical tears just opening up the emotional side that's harder for someone like me so to be patient and say okay I'm not going to fix this I'm just going to sit with you and listen like I think that takes a lot of Courage for some people too. Yeah, to not just go in and I'm going
0: to fix it because I know what to do. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a skill to know how and when to comfort, mm-hmm. and then also and um, when to give truth. And I think it also goes back to you know our our ministry here on earth is about relationship. And yes. so you know, to a stranger, you don't you know, there's not always great ministry. You don't want to walk up to a stranger and slap them with truth. And also, if you walk up to a stranger and start crying with them. Yeah, sometimes that works out well, but yeah, really weird. (laughs) Also weird. Um, So this is also for relationship. You know, this means Jesus is so clearly saying relationship is how we um, teach people about him. And so what about when we're in relationship with people who are not believers? You know, Mm -hmm. that's where this comes up the most. I would also, I mean, absolutely this comes up with believers. But I would say with believers, it's a little easier to like balance the both and do both at the same time because um, they already hold on to those truths. So what about the people who don't? believer who are struggling to believe or whatnot. And I think, I mean, I hear so many stories from um, just various students and various young adults, even of, you know, such and such person, in my family, so-and-so at my work, you know, all these things who aren't believers and how do you balance that? And so I think um, my, my first suggestion and thought that I always say to people is, hey, like, take care of yourself, you know, don't get into arguments or don't back yourself into a corner, Um, You know, if if a conversation is going to hurt you, like take care of yourself. I don't want to say first, but like if you're not in a good, healthy place talking to someone, you're not going to exude good Christian behaviors or good Christian thoughts or words. Or you're going to set off vibes of X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. Everyone kind of reacts differently when they're not fully healthy in a situation or a conversation. And so take care of yourself. You know, that's important. Set healthy boundaries. You know, know, when to talk and when not to talk, sometimes even just for your own. Heart. You know, if it's a family member, that's high high emotion.
1: Yeah. You know. And I think
0: just knowing and hearing,
1: and I'm one of those people who sometimes I need someone to say, Hey Shelby, I give you permission to this. So hear me say if you're listening to this, I'm giving you permission. You don't have to save the world. That is not your job. Not your job. Um at all. I give you permission to take care of yourself, like Mel said. You know, protect yourself, set good boundaries. Yeah. And a ministry of tears or a ministry of truth can be draining to you. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, for sure. Take care of yourself. Go ahead and charge your Christ before you then go do either. Yeah, refill your tank so then you can pour out. Yeah,
0: yeah, super important to all of this. Any any ministry or anything that you're doing, even in your daily life with believers, like if you're not full, it's not going to be the prettiest outcome. Yeah, totally agree. Um, Which is such a good thing to know, and I hope when you like the rest of the things we talk about, you come out of a place of, I'm going to set my own good boundaries and go from there. And sometimes setting boundaries feels a little selfish, but if you know that's what you need to either heal or move forward in a relationship or whatnot, like, Sometimes there's a season of setting a strict boundary and saying, this is how it has to be until I'm ready to make it a different way. Yeah. Um, things I'm learning in my own life. Uh, for sure. Right there <laughs> always with you. An, Always learning. Um, but something else that I always talk to people about, um, I even just had a conversation Sunday with one of our students about a family member who is no longer a Christian and who is causing issues in the family and being um, – not fully loving. Actually, I heard several stories about family members in similar situations. and so the the first thing I always like to say is that we love to jump onto truth, the ministry of truth, because we don't want Jesus's or Asbury's or the church's reputation to be hurt, Yeah, right? We love to shove truth because we're like, people say Christians hate people. That's not true. That's not true at all. We love people. And we love to jump on that truth train Mm -hmm. because we're going to steamroll everyone and say, no, 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 no. Our reputation is important. And don't get me wrong. I think reputation is important. I think, um, you know, networking and things like that and lots of things, the reputation is important. You want to have a good rapport, you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. However... Jesus did not care about his Mm -hmm. reputation. Yeah. Jesus destroyed his reputation. If you look at Jesus as like a social experiment, he kind of purposely sabotaged himself socially. Yeah. He hung out with the people that instantaneously people scoffed or balked or backed away from. Even the disciples when he let prostitutes come near him and, and anoint his feet with oil or whatnot, you know, the even the disciples who knew Jesus's heart were like, "Yo, bro, like, what That's are you not doing?" Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: He was not afraid to be countercultural, countercultural, and he wasn't afraid about what people said about him. Mm-mm, he was going to do what he needed to do. Yeah. No matter what it costs his reputation.
0: Yeah. And even if you're doing the ministry of tears or the ministry of truth, remember that it's not about saving the reputation of Christ. He is fully able to save his own reputation. Like that's not what he's about. And he doesn't care about that. And we care as humans so much about reputation. Cause I think in our society and in this world, like, yeah, there's a level where your reputation is important. Like absolutely. Yeah. Um, but Jesus is on a different playing field. Like Jesus is, has a different game plan, different mindset, different view. Um, So let go of that reputation. Okay, let that atheist or agnostic or whatever say Christians are haters and say every Christian or every Christ follower is a hypocrite or say all those things. Um, That's not the hill to die on. Correct. Um, Which is hard sometimes, but you can let go of the reputation. And I think the reason we can is because Jesus has a long game. Yep. Right? You don't have to convert. Air quotes around convert because that's not your job anyway. Um, We don't convert people overnight. You know, Jesus doesn't really even think about your own Christian walk. Did you, you know, anytime you're struggling with something or working through something, do you the next day wake up and it's fine? No. Like, it's a long game. I mean, I wish, but no. Great. (laughs) Um, It's a long game. And I think there's a great reason why it's a long game. Yeah, I shared
1: this with Mel as we were preparing that I think it was my second class period of my New Testament introduction class, second semester at ORU, where I was like, Wow, on fire. I already know everything, but I'm going to learn even more and know all the things when, so that when I graduate, I'm going to be the world's greatest youth pastor. Yeah, that was fun. That was a fun little journey.
0: But <laughs> fun I little version. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right. Um, but this professor said something that was so simple, but it absolutely blew my mind. And second day of class, you know, first day of class, we went over the syllabus. Then he says this. So he's talking about the New Testament as a whole and what we're going to dive into. And he just flat out says, guys, I'm just going to tell you right now You can study the New Testament all you want. You can read it. You can just pull truth out of it. And people are going to say it's either true or not true. But at the end of the day, spoiler alert, God wins. And I think that's what you're talking about, Mel, is Jesus had a long game while he was on earth, and Mm -hmm. there's still a long game. Yeah. What is the end goal? What is, you know, where are you headed? Where was Jesus headed? He wasn't afraid of the day-to-day. He wasn't Caring about what everyone said about him right yeah. then, he has the end game in mind. And I think that long game is eternity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He healed 10 lepers and only one came back. Yeah. Right. And he, we don't hear anything about how he felt about that, you know? And, um, he was content with the one. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a long game. He has a long term plan after every single individual's heart and after the salvation of the world, even, you know? And we see that with the cross. The cross didn't happen in Genesis 2. Well, right since we fell in Genesis 3 and so it didn't happen in Genesis 5 right it happened in um long time from there you know so remember God's outside of time so Mm -hmm. for us that's a long time to wait but for God it's an instant yes um, as well as a thousand years right it's a balance of what's it like to be outside of time we don't know Mm -hmm. um I watched Dr. Strange last night so it's funny to talk about time and outside of time inside of time it's a whole thing (laughs) um anyway not that that this suddenly became a movie podcast, we could also do that, too. <laughs> we don't too. need to do that. <laughs> could I talk about Marvel for ages? Yes. I watched Guardians of the Galaxy the night before last, so we're on a good train <laughs> <amazing>. right now. <laughs> I think we're watching Black Panther tonight. Anyway, oh. we're not talking about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all this stuff, you know, I think perspective is so important to remember. First of all, you're not there to save the reputation of the church. Yeah. If everyone starts bashing Asbury UMC and says, like, Asbury sucks, everyone who goes there's the worst, which I'm sure people will say, let that go. Yeah. they're allowed to say that because first of all, Christ has a long-term game and it's really not about saving your reputation or the church's reputation. It's about winning hearts to Christ, which mm-hmm. isn't a overall reputation. It's a life day in, day yeah, out, people it's experiencing a lifestyle. Christ. Yeah. And so, and then also when you balance tears and truth, it comes back to your life should be a reflection of the truth. Mm-hmm. So yes, words are important, but so often your conversation with someone isn't going to help them see the truth, the way yeah. you love them, the way you treat them, the way you interact with them. Not saying you should never use words. You know, there's that saying of share the gospel and use words if you have to.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: balance that yeah. because there's a balance. You know, you ha- we have to, especially in this culture, in this world, be explicit and say, no, no, no. There's one way to salvation. There is a cross. There is a savior. You know, we have to use direct words at times and probably more often than we do. But we also have to sit and cry with people and let our life reflect the truth and our love reflect the truth just as often. You right. know, it's it's a equal and both, you know, either or one. I think we see so many times, at least in my
1: life, um, the people that I look up to, the people who I've, you know, been trying to be like in my faith walk, they weren't always the people up front behind a pulpit preaching. They yeah. weren't always the people teaching a Sunday school class. It wasn't always the words they said but more how they treated me, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, my life is youth ministry, is student ministry. I love student ministry, and the people who were in my life in st- when I was in student ministries, it was just how they loved me. Even when I was making the stupidest mistakes <laughs> ever, oh, my goodness, they honestly didn't say much, yeah. and not because they weren't pouring into me. They were just going to let themselves be an example of how, how they were going to love me despite that. And I think when our lives reflect the truth, people hear the truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a strict, strict balance. You know, people saw that the disciples, the first apostles lived differently and that was attractional, but they also heard what they had to say, a counter message. And yes. they said that was attractional too. And so it's absolutely a balance. You, um, I think dive into Christ and trust yourself and trust Christ and attack situations as individual situations. Yes. You know, um, I always tend to, not talk is always my go-to, not say truth, not whatnot. I always wait for the person to ask me questions. And I don't recommend that for everyone. You know, right. I think everyone's different, but for me, that's my go-to. Um, but every once in a while, I get this feeling in my gut where I'm like, I've, I feel like I'm going to vomit if I don't say what I have to say. And yeah. I'm like, Holy Spirit, no, I don't want to say this. And then he's like, no, you, it's you your it. turn to talk. You have to. And so um, trust God. You know, we're all going to have our instincts of which we're going to lean towards, but let Jesus into that situation and I think At the end of the day, it all comes back to the ministry of reconciliation. Yes. Why do we have tears and truth? It's because of the ministry of reconciliation, which if you haven't heard that term, it's in the gospel. Christ uses it. But it's basically the ministry that Jesus started and the church is supposed to continue. That Jesus came to seek and save the lost and to bring all people to himself, Jews, Gentiles, sinners, non-sinners, which (laughs) that's funny, that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, all people to himself. And so that's his goal is to reconcile the entire world to himself. Every person you know all you know even nature, you know this fallen broken world, he's reconciling it yeah. right he's that 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 process has started since mm-hmm. the cross and it will continue until the second coming when it's completed and um that's why we do both of these things,
1: yeah, and I think the ministry of reconciliation. In those moments where you're having those doubts of like, wait, what do I do in this situation? Do I speak? Do I give truth? As Daniel put do I give them the two by four of truth in this moment? <laughs> I loved that. I laughed. I always pray for Jesus to hit people like
0: a freight train with his love. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, do I give them the truth or do they need the tears? I think you go back to the reconciliation. Yeah. What can I do in this moment to demonstrate the ministry of reconciliation? Where can I allow Jesus to work through me mm-hmm. in the ministry of reconciliation? And I think when that's your question, when that is your focus, it's going to become a little bit easier. Not yeah. every time, but it's going to be a little bit easier. What is going to help this person not only be reconciled in their situation or to me, but to Christ?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when you're, your goal is the ministry of reconciliation and the way you do those is through the tears and the truth. Yes. And so when you're not trying to say, do I do tears do I do truth? Do I do tears or do I do truth? And yeah, we've given some tips on which to do when, but... You shouldn't sit in those. You sit in ministry of reconciliation. Sure. And from there, you do those, and so that's the important thing that Christ really, yeah, really shows us.
1: And I think we see this, you know, with Jesus. I, you know, I think that in this moment, when it says Jesus wept, I know we joke about how that's the shortest book you know, or <laughs> verse of the Bible, and that's what everyone can memorize. But I think Jesus wept because not only for his love for Lazarus and Mary and Martha and their pain, but because death is a byproduct of their, we need reconciliation. Um, I think in those tears we saw some pain of not just this one death or this one situation, but all the deaths, all the situations. And so know that Jesus's heart is reconciling the world to him. And yeah, we've talked about disappointment. It's going to come suffering it's going to come but his heart is to reconcile that and to bring us all to him and to see hearts one for him and
0: yeah. that's the goal and when we're yeah. seeing people through that lens i think our entire worldview changes oh yeah and it's it's I love what you said it's Christ's ministry we're players in it we have an active part you know when you make it reconciliation that's definitely active you know tears and truth you can kind of be like tears is passive truth is active or you know vice versa how you look at it but whatnot. but like it's reconciliation and that is active on our part but it's Christ's ministry and we're a part of it you know it's not don't take the weight of the world on your shoulders for any of this it's not that's not your place you Mm -hmm. know and so remembering that is important I think too I totally agree Yeah, awesome. Well, we hope that today helped you and kind of helped you dive deeper into the sermon and kind of work these things out for yourself. And I think especially right now where um, worlds look different. Yeah. You know, I think that our socials, well, I don't think, I know that our social circles have all shrunk, Mm -hmm. um, but you still have, Key people in your family, or key people in maybe your neighborhood or your work or whatnot, that you know aren't believers. And so I encourage you in this time to pray and think through who do you actively know you're already in relationship with that might be either struggling or doesn't know Christ or whatnot, and what part can you play right now in pursuing that one? You know, I think mm-hmm. whenever life is normal we have such this broad spectrum of gotta do this gotta do that gotta help this person gotta help that person I can do this that this that which isn't always bad we're in a new season right now accept that it's hard mourn it accept it though and then say who's my one or two people that I know right now that I'm already in relationship with or if it's a neighbor that you meet when you're walking or you know there's you know ask Jesus to bring you those few that in this season you can love and yeah. and, and, and engage with them and encourage them and whatnot and this is what I challenged our. um 1822 group to do as well is to find those few right now in this season and make the most of it and practice the ministry of reconciliation right tears and truth balance it you know do it now like go what are you waiting for (laughs) yeah and i don't like this sounds kind of funny
1: but almost take advantage of the situation right now i know that i've been making phone calls to students and parents here lately and so many of them are like oh my goodness I haven't received a phone call that wasn't trying to sell me something, yeah. or I had a student say like, "My mom is the only person who calls me." Where do you- <laughs> yeah, really? We're having to do ministry in a different way, and we're having to find different ways to communicate with people. So,
0: nothing is normal anymore, yeah. and you can do that too, yeah, yeah i've been ma- I've been calling people too, and in my head when every time they answer, I know they don't have my cell phone number, I just keep thinking, people are crazy, like I never answer numbers I don't know, right um
1: but yeah, I just think do. take advantage
0: <laughs> of this situation
1: where no one really has a normal anymore, yeah, when you're seeking out that one, that two, don't be afraid of oh is this weird is this am i being strange everything's weird everything's, right everything's weird right now
0: <laughs> such a good point just take yeah. advantage
1: of it yeah you know and let that be your platform let god work in this weirdness through yeah. you and let his ministry go through you and work yeah. through you so good well and just concluding shelby will you pray that over our listeners i would love to heavenly father thank you so much for your word Thank you for Daniel's sermon and how you worked through him this Sunday to speak to each of us. I pray that we hide your word in our heart this week and in these coming days. And God, give us boldness. Let us have your heart and your ministry for reconciliation. Let us seek out those ones and have boldness because we know you are at work in the midst of all of this. Help us see people as you see them. And Holy Spirit, lead us. Guide us as we have conversations that maybe we wouldn't normally have. Let us be ministers of your gospel, of truth, of tears, but most importantly, reconciliation. God, we give you this week, this time, every moment we give to you to work through. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.